All right, how is everyone doing today? Can I, uh, can I steal this table? Ruby, let's do this. All right. All right, if you have a Bible, you can open it up to First uh, Thessalonians. Going to be in chapter 5. It's nice to see so many familiar faces. Is that a go-go back there? How you doing? Wow. Great, great stuff. All right. That was refreshing after so much coffee. First Thessalonians chapter 5, we're going to be in verse 19, a very short, I'm sure a very familiar verse. I have put on some weight, I might have just broken the chair. It happens. Marriage. It's a blessing. <laughs> that was the first thing that Ben said to me when I came in. He said, wow, you put on some weight. How has marriage been? It's, it's been great. Thank you for that. <laughs> first Thessalonians 5.19. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. In God's kingdom, the Spirit alone makes a servant fit for the Master's use. So we're going to be talking about today. We're going to seek out how we might feed and fuel the Spirit's fire, that we might be useful uh, in our Master's house. Um, And I certainly hope that that's your heart today, that you have a heart that wants to burn brightly for the Lord's glory. And so we'll seek and and search out through Scripture what we might cast upon the fire in order to stoke up those, those flames that might be waning in our hearts today through the the many long years of our Christianity, and, and you know, recently uh, I celebrated the, the 10th anniversary of my Christianity, and, and also recently my birthday, it's in fact my birthday weekend, I'm, I'm in my late 20s now, and it's, it's quite a shame, but, <laughs> but it happens to all of us, and it'll happen to you too someday, you younger people like Jessica, don't think I forgot about you, so let's go ahead and pray, most gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, as we Think about the journey of our Christianity and where we've been spiritually. Lord, as we consider this scripture that declares boldly that the Spirit ought to be a fire and ought to be burning brightly, it ought to represent your glory, not to consume every part of me. And if it is not that we would seek out what's stifling it, What's suffocating it? And God, all the more what we can sacrifice to it, what we can let go of, that you might altogether consume us once again and return the zeal. Lord, that we might have had as, as younger Christians. Lord, so we seek your face this day as we wait upon your word for truth and revelation. I pray that you'd speak to every heart personally, that you'd speak to us directly and where we need it individually. And I do believe that you have a word for us all today. There's something that you desire to impart to us today, that you would find in our midst hearts that are open to receiving it. Lord, that you go before us now and till the ground that your seed and your word could just be planted deep in our hearts. 
that it wouldn't be choked out, that it wouldn't be forgotten, that we wouldn't leave this place and give the brush off. But that we walk out here in love with you, ready to serve you, and fit to live for you. And so, Father, I do praise you. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So when I was a boy, I learned that in order for a fire to continue to burn, it needed fuel. It's a very simple lesson. I'm sure it's a lesson very familiar to all of you. There's a boy, you know, in my, in my father's house, and, and the winter season would come, and it would grow cold, and as cold as it gets in San Antonio Heights, or, which is about the mid-60s, which is freezing to a Southern California child. You know, and he would cast great logs into the fire and light them up as a great inferno of glory in our living room. And there was something in that fire that we were fascinated about. And you men know exactly what I'm talking about. And a few of you women, too. The fire is fascinating. It's powerful. It provides warmth. It fills up your whole room. It changes your atmosphere. And we desired nothing more than for that fire to burn brightly in our living room as the night would grow old and the logs would break down, the fire would grow dim. My brother and I, we would gather together our greatest treasures and cast it upon that fire that it might be stoked up once again. And so into the fire would go Michelangelo and Donatello. Into the fire would go old games from the Nintendo and even a few Legos. It would all go in there. And great black flames and, and smoke would come pouring into the house. And, and my mom would come rushing into the room and, and she'd say, what happened? What are you doing? And, 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 uh, and you know, uh, us being youth, unable to articulate our thoughts effectively, we would opt for a sound repeatedly. And we would simply go, pff, pff, pff. And my mom would say, well, where, where's all your toys? And we'd go, pff, all gone. And that's it. They were all gone. All, each and every one of them, our greatest treasures, were made a willing sacrifice so that by their passing, that which is greater than our treasures would remain. And it's the fire. The fascinating fire. We desired that fire. And so it wasn't in a spirit of consternation or with any sort of hesitation that we would cast our treasures upon that fire. It was our greatest joy to, the, to surrender and sacrifice those things. And so I implore you to search your heart tonight that you would offer up that which is asked of you according to Scripture that the fire might remain where it might be raining. To return to the joy of youth that you might have had in the early days of Christianity and to, and to cast into the fire of your own soul a thermometer to see if you'd be a little bit more than a flicker of a flame or a glowing ember, to see if there would be something quenching that fire, to see if there would be something that you can pull out of that fire, that, that, that you can surrender to that fire that previously consumed you, that, was, that, that completely overwhelmed you, overtook you, that you might be an effective servant of God today because that's what he's asking of you. And that's the word he has for you. You know, and I don't want to come today with, with clever, vernacular, eloquent phrasing, simply with a word of God. And, and God gave me a word for the summer season. And there in my, in my small backyard, laying in my prayer hammock, where I retreat to every morning to spend time with the Lord. And for a person gaining weight, that's the best way you can spend time with the Lord. 
So I recline back in that hammock and just enjoy this world that God has given us and talk to him. And there he gave me a word, and I don't often get a word. I don't go scouring the scripture for him. I don't play Bible roulette, throw open the pages of scripture and say, well, that's for me. That's what he's speaking to me. But very quietly, he imparted it to me, and, and not audibly. I'm not crazy, and I don't hear voices. But it was clear, and it came in a single word. And if you'll accept it, it could be a word for you as well. So I hope you're ready. Pencil's prepared to note it down. The words, sacrifice. Sacrifice. And if you can bear up under it, you have in that one word the key to all sanctification. For all sanctification comes through the same avenue. It's going to come through the avenue of, of sacrifice. And, and that which you give to God, God will use for his glory. And, and he's always waiting to take you deeper, to, to go further. He's waiting on you to surrender. Those areas that we still hold back, and we all have those areas that we still hold back. The word is the key to all sanctification. The word's going to be the key today that's going to unlock the door to this all-consuming fire of which we will, uh, we will be discussing. So today we're going to build an altar. Not literally. We're going to stand at the foot of that altar, and we're going to act... Offer up a sacrifice willingly. You're going to say, I've made a decision. As Joshua did in his day, and some of you are familiar with the book, and I love the book. And Joshua stood there at the end of his book, and he said, today you make a decision. Who you are going to live for? Which road you're going to go down to? It's either going to be to the left or to the right. It's going to be the road of the pagans that you are in the midst of, or it's going to be road that leads to the glory of God. And I'll tell you right now that it's a narrow road, and it's a difficult road. And few take it, and you know that. You're all Bible scholars. Most of you have been saved for a myriad of years longer than I have even been alive. And praise God for it. Yet there's still greater sacrifice to be made. So it's a word for all of us. And it can reach each one of us. And you can say, well, today I will make my decision, and I'll offer up these things that are stifling me, that are standing in the way of me, and that are suffocating the fire of me. So upon our altar, we're going to cast three things. And four, if you'll accept it. The first one is going to be a sacrifice of time. And you can note it down. The first sacrifice is a sacrifice of time. And you need to sacrifice that time. And so there's going to be something that I repeatedly say, and I hope you're a fan of repetition. No one is. So upon the altar and into the fire, and leave it there. You're not going to retreat to grab tongs to reach into the fire to once again regain that which now belongs to God. You're going to leave it with him. So the first sacrifice that has to be made is the sacrifice of time. And there you wake up in the morning and you would say, well, I don't have time. I have to get to work. I have a full day ahead of me. And at the, at the, at the end of the day, I'm exhausted. Who can blame me? There's no time for me. All my time is exhausted. All my time is spent. All my time is invested. I don't have time. And so you squeeze God in in a short prayer that you say before you fall asleep, and we've all been there. If you haven't been there, you're a liar. A liar. So the first thing that needs to be sacrificed is time.
I'll tell you, if you were a servant of self, you might have well said to self, I don't have time. And you could have been obedient to self in whatever it chose to invest its time. But you're not a servant of self. Each one of you is here today because you're a servant of Christ. And as a servant of Christ, you would say to self, you would respond to self, okay, duly noted. You don't think we have time. And now to my master, how would you like to spend my time? A servant doesn't choose to invest his, his time in his own avenues. Only that he might please his master and do what his master would desire. Psalm 63, verse 1, you can note it down. You can turn there rapidly if your fingers move as quickly as I can read it. Psalm 63, verse 1. O oh God, you are my God, and early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. Listen, that's why this is such an important sacrifice that you make, and that's why it's the first sacrifice that you need to make. Because without the sacrifice of time, you are absolutely of no use to your master. You're out there spending your time just as I'm out there spending my time in things that cannot fill me up for anything that will bring glory to my Savior. It's only that which can exhaust my resources in serving my Savior. So we need to sacrifice our time to him. Your time is precious. Just my time is precious. So you take that which is precious and you cast it upon the fire of God so that it would be a glorious sacrifice to God. And just as it is real, you bring your best to God. You bring it first to God. You say, God, it's all yours. So how do you spend your time? Where do you balance your time? It's worth your greatest consideration. So mark it down as sacrifice of time. And again, the repetition comes into play. Upon the altar, into the fire, and leave it there. Next, there's going to be a sacrifice of desires. You can mark it down. A sacrifice of desires, and you need to sacrifice those desires. And so upon the fire, no, upon the altar, and into the fire, and leave it there. You're not going to pick it up again, take it back to yourself. We all have desires, each one of us individually, and they're all different for us. You know, I work in mostly college ministry, and I just got done doing a, uh, a summer series at Chafee. And, and I remember talking to a girl there, and, and, and her greatest uh, plea was to be married by 23. And she said, if I don't, if I'm not married by 23, I'm just going to die. No, you won't. You might think you will, but you won't. That was my wife's greatest desire. It's to be married by, what was it, 22? 23, somewhere around there. I said, we're not going to get married till we're 25. We got married when I was 25. Because I'm the master of the house. <laughs> if I don't have a new iPhone, I will just die. No, you won't. You won't. You won't. I wish I had more money. Well, we all do. Jesus said to the religious people of his day, Matthew 15, verse 8, mark it down. Matthew 15, verse 8. These people draw near to me with their mouth, honor me with their lips. Their hearts are far from me. And here you have, according to this text, 
the reason why this sacrifice of desire is so great. So now God has your time, but he wants more than your time. And you can keep your time if with your time you don't offer up a sacrifice of desires. The Pharisees gave him all the time they had. It is ritualistically and it was mechanically. And it's a tragedy that sinks into so many's Christianity where you can come to church every Sunday and your heart could be far from God. You might as well stay at home because he wants more than that. He wants to go deeper than that. He wants a greater relationship than that. And you can be serving God in your actions and in all appearance and all manifestation of your person. He wants more than your actions to be a servant of him. He wants your heart to be a servant of him. He wants more than your hands. He wants your heart. So this is the next sacrifice. We're going to lay down a sacrifice of desires. You all have desires. God asks you to lay down your desires. So upon the altar, into the fire, and leave it there. And I'll tell you, if you've made it this far, you've got quite a fire going. You've got a raging inferno brewing in your heart. If you would say, God, you could have all my time. You could have all my heart. It's all going to be for you. Then God would look at you and he would say, now I could use you. Now I could get a hold of you. We've got great things to do, so let's get going. And that's what takes us to our next sacrifice. Because next is going to be a sacrifice of plans. And this is a great sacrifice that each and every one of us must lay down in order to live an effective life for Jesus Christ. There's going to be a sacrifice of plans. And you need to sacrifice those plans. And upon the altar, and into the fire, and leave it there. And again, serving at college ministry, you'd hear so many, maybe the same girl, and she would say, I ought to be married at 23, and then I'll get a good job, and, and I'll live in a nice house, and we'll have a white picket fence, and, and, and I'll have two children, Jimmy and Susie, and they'll be adorable and cute. If they're not, they're not mine. So, you know, I want they're my children, that's my plan. They're going to be adorable, you know, and it's like they, they go on and on and, and, you know, I'm going to drive an SUV hybrid, of course, because I'm green. And, you know, and my husband, he's going to be six foot two. He's going to be blonde, handsome, good teeth. You know, it's like, but stop it. Stop it. Lay down your plans. Surrender your plans. Because, again, since when does a servant have a say? Since when does a servant allowed to make plans? If you call yourself a servant of Christ, then it has to be about his plan. Proverbs 16.9, a proverb that's very familiar to most of you, I'm sure. Proverbs 16.9 says, A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. As a Christian, your allegiance is to your master. You must live to do his will. Now listen, I don't say this to say that you shouldn't make plans. You should all make plans. I'm not saying that anyone, you know, shave a bald spot on their head and move into a monastery somewhere, wear a robe, because I have no plans. I have nothing to do but sit and meditate upon the word of God. Now you make your plans. Go ahead, have a ball with it. But be open to God gloriously wrecking your plans. So hold loosely to your plans. I tell you, years ago, I set out a path for my life, and not one single part of it has come to pass. 
And it's been, it's been the greatest blessing of my life to watch God wreck my plans. There's so much that I would have missed out on if I lived my life my way instead of partnering with the creator of heaven and earth and trusting him to guide me and direct me as I sought through humble obedience to serve him. And now you have your time, your desires, your plans all upon the altar of God, in the fire of God, a glorious sacrifice to God, and you're feeling quite all right watching it burn. It's fuel for the fire. It drives your service. It's your surrender. And we can bring all the points together and say that you're satisfied by the water of God as you spend time with God, with a heart that desires to live for God and now an ear that's attentive to the call of God. And you might well say that's it. But if you'll accept it, there's a fourth sacrifice and you know it just as I know it. You're not done until you climb on that fire and that altar yourself. Or if you leave any ounce of flesh out of the fire, it'll altogether overtake the fire. Either the fire of God will conquer and consume you, or you will conquer and consume it. That's just the reality of it. So you'd say, I'm not going to live for me. I'm not going to live for my head or for my heart. I'm not going to live for my clock or for my flesh. I'm not going to be like those in Matthew chapter 8 that came to Jesus and said, I'm going to follow you, but first allow me to, and you can fill in the blank for whatever it is for you. Well, first allow me to go my way, do my thing, live my life, and then I'll come back to you. I'm not going to be like that anymore. I'm going to be like those in Joshua's day that stood on that hill and said, I'm going to grab all my idols, grab everything that could be separating me from you, everything that could be causing division between me and you, everything that's, that's stifling me from completely giving my life to you. And I'm going to cast it into the flame and watch it burn as a glorious sacrifice to you. And Paul exhorts us, do not put out the Spirit's fire. And now that it's burning brightly and you're watching it happily, I should warn you that there's two things that do put out a fire. There's two ways, rather, to put out a fire. You could suffocate it or you can neglect it. I'm going to use this table now. You can suffocate it or you can neglect it. And there at the beach when the night is far spent, you've all shared the similar experience, gathered around a bonfire happily with your friends, partaking in merriment. The end of the night, you can grab great heaps of sand and cast it upon the fire to put it out. And it'll quench it quickly. And the dirt of this world will always do that to the fire of God. That's why you need to guard your purity and not play in the sandbox of iniquity. Or maybe you're like me, and at the end of the night, you like to walk away from the fire and watch in the distance as it goes from a raging inferno, inferno to, the, to the faint flicker of a flame, and then simply to a glowing ember, until all you're left with is the memory of a fire. 
You know, one day an elderly pastor called me into his office shortly before he announced his retirement. And I sat across from him at his desk and he took out an old cigar box and set it in front of me and opened up the lid. And carefully and with obvious affection, he began to place the pictures before me that were therein. And the first one that he set before me was him preaching at a rodeo. And, and he was there alone in the middle of the dirt floor ring, the stands filled with spectators. His hands were lifted high up to heaven. He was filled with a fire. He's filled with a zeal that was obvious. It's clear. It's brilliant and beautiful. He took out another picture and set it before me. And he was preaching at a renovated movie theater. He's there alone on the stage, pouring out his heart to God. And another, he's there on a street corner. And all the people passing by, stopping to listen. And some dozens and some hundreds and others thousands. When John Wesley was asked why people responded to his ministry and were drawn to his Christianity, he had this to say, I set myself on fire and they come to watch me burn. And the truth of that statement was in the memories of this man. As in each photograph he set before me, I saw a man ablaze for the glory of God. Unashamed, unapologetic. It was a bold declaration of surrender. Sacrifice. That God might have glory from a person's life. For it's the only way that God could get glory from any of our lives. And he looked at me the way an old man who's seen it all looks at a young man who clearly admires him. And he said, one day you'll have a box like this. Filled with the memories of how God used you in your youth. And they began to collect his precious treasures back to himself and place them with great care again back into the old box. He closed the lid and said, you're young and you're full of zeal. Eventually you'll mature. You'll settle down. You'll settle in. And things will change. And for him they had. Slowly and gradually, maybe it took many years, but he had become a man that was tamed by the world. He was turned into a man that was happy to have the memory of a fire rather than the fire itself. And sadly, this is the state of so much of our Christianity, if we'd be honest with ourselves today. And you're living off a memory of how things once were. And for some reason, they aren't that way anymore. And things have changed. And there was a sadness in those eyes. There was a sense of loss. There was a loss of closeness, a loss of usefulness, a loss of excitement and expectation. And dear ones, I would exhort you this day to grab your treasures And in childlike simplicity and innocence, take each and every one of them and cast them in great heaps upon the fire of God. And say, God, take it all. I don't need it. I don't want it. All to be used for your glory and your kingdom, that I might be a servant fit for heaven's use. And daily as I surrender to him, daily as I lift up my my old box before him and say, I don't want this. I don't want to look back upon it when I'm old and have lost it.
I want to have it. I want it to be present. Clap your hands as I did with, as, with, my, with my brother that day before the fire and say, this is what I want. I want the fire. I want to see it burning bright in my presence. I want it consuming and filling my heart. That's what I want. And today you would cast your time willingly. You would throw your desires openly. You would dump all your plans previously. And you would say all to you, all for your glory. And leave yourself there upon the altar of God, a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. For it's the only reasonable thing to do with a life. And let me tell you as we move towards our conclusion that the world is fascinated by this kind of fire. The body is blessed and built up by this kind of fire. We don't need, if I could say this lovingly, we don't need more PowerPoints and technology. We don't need more books on church growth methods and evangelism. We need men and women, saints alike, gathering together all that makes up them, all that consumes them, all that is the affection of them, and casting it before a loving God who will greatly use them. Men and women overturned by God, drunk on the Holy Spirit to be used for his glory. And I pray that, that in our midst would be such men and women this day. May God be with you as you make your sacrifices, filled with his glory for his service. And may your fire be infectious. And let us pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word. Lord, as you exhort us not to put out the Spirit's fire, may we honestly come before you and consider what might be putting out our fire, what might be stifling us, suffocating us, and what areas we might be neglecting, and how we might have walked away from it, and how in our hearts, though not literally, we might have a box of memories of what it used to be like. And I pray, God, that that wouldn't be the case for us anymore, that we wouldn't be satisfied with that anymore. That we would desire the fire presently to burn brightly. So, Lord, we would cast fuel upon the fire this day. Lord, we give you our time that we might be useful to you as we spend time with you, receive the water that only comes from you, that we can pour it out upon a world that's thirsty for you. God, that we cast our desires into the fire to fuel it more, that we wouldn't be driven by our heart, that we wouldn't follow our heart, which so many say is what we ought to do today. Now, oh, Lord, we give that to you. As we give you our desires, we would gain your desires for this world. We want nothing more than to live for you, to serve you. And God, as we lay our plans before you, I pray, Lord, that you take them up, that we wouldn't have need for fear or worry with what you might do with our life. 
that we wouldn't be filled with dread as to where you might guide us in our life. But that as a servant of God, one willing to live for God, and a man bought and redeemed by God, we would recognize that you own our life. That we wouldn't be in rebellion to you anymore, that we wouldn't fight you anymore. I pray, God, as we lay our flesh in that fire, that you would consume it and burn away everything that's me and leave before everything that's you. So, Father, I praise you. And, Lord, we love you. And so, God, I thank you. Accept our sacrifice this day and impart a fire that can only come from you. In Jesus' name, amen.